ויצא יעקב מבאר שבע. The Torah describes Yaakov leaving the city he was in, living with his father Yitzhak and his mother Rivka. That was the place called Be'er Sheva. Pasuk says he left Be'er Sheva harana, and he went on his way to Haran. So the truth is that We know that Yaakov Avinu left his father. It already mentions that in last week's parasha. It says over there, after his father and mother, mother told him to go away, the pasuk says, Vayishma Yaakov el Aviv ve'el imo. These are very powerful words, by the way. Yaakov listened to his father and to his mother. Why does it say that? Just say, you know, if his father and mother told him to leave, and then the pasuk says, Vayelech padena aram, and he left. So obviously, if someone tells you to do something, and then you do it, so obviously you listen to them. Why does the pasuk have to say, and he listened to his father and mother, and he went? You got the question? One more time. His parents told him to leave. So all you have to say is, and he left. Why does it say, and he listened to them, and he left? The Midrash on this pasuk uncovers... The Torah is highlighting something here that the Midrash feels is from the most important attributes of Yaakov Avinu. And what is that? Is that Yaakov Avinu did not agree with his father and mother. When his father and mother told him that he should leave because Isav is looking to kill him and he should go to live by Lavan, he didn't see it that way. And we could probably give a dozen reasons why he didn't see it that way. I mean, if Isaac could kill him here, he could kill him there too. He's not like he's flying to the moon where Isaac can't come. And Yaakov is a very powerful man. Probably Isaac wanted to kill him even before. Who knows? He could get a bodyguard. I mean, how many people in the streets also would like to kill us? But we get, we do Ishtad Lut. We make our our best effort, we get security when needed. So Yaakov Avinu did not see it that way. He, he saw that living by his father and mother was a greater, was a greater um, gain, benefit, than going to live with Lavan, somewhere totally far away, not only far away in distance, but far away in values. And for Aesav, he'll protect himself. It wasn't a slouch, Yaakov, he'll figure it out. So Yaakov did not agree. But the Pasuk says, Vayishma Yaakov el Aviv el Imo. Yaakov, he listened to his father and his mother. The Midrash says, this is a great example of someone who, in history 
who listened to someone who was greater than him and you see all of the great benefits that came out of it. Says the Midrash, Derech Ish, Kol Derech Ish, Yashar Be'inav, Shlomo HaMelech says. That everybody in their own mind thinks they have the right way of looking at something. Don't be surprised that you have an opinion on everything. And in your eyes, your opinion makes the most sense. Says Shlomo HaMelech, that is a fact of life by every human. Every human in their eyes sees it the way it looks and has no doubt that it makes sense that way. Can't see it any other way. How else? Two people have opposite opinions of the same thing. And each one says, I, I don't see any other way. It's obvious. Says Shlomo HaMelech, Kol derech ish, Yashar be'enav. If you feel strongly about anything, just remember you're human. And the human characteristic is that whatever you see in your mind is the way you see it. Call derech ish. Any road that a person is on, yashar be'enav. In his eyes, it's the perfect road. Perfect meaning, it's straight to success straight to happiness, straight to whatever it is that we live life for. That's what every person thinks. Obviously, that's not true. Because we see many failures in life. Many failures in many areas. So even though the person thought that his derech was perfect, but obviously it wasn't. You know, every guy who got married thought he's going to Gan Eden. But unfortunately, for most people, that is very far from reality. And when he got married, he thought this is the perfect woman. Why else would he marry her? He, by the way, he knows the great situation of marriage in this country. The marriage in this country is a disaster. So he knew that already. And he still decided to get married. That means, what do you think? That he was different. The perfect, this is the perfect lady. And I know exactly what to do. How do I know he knows that? Because he didn't bother asking any advice. He didn't go buy books. He didn't go talk to people before him. Didn't bother because why? In his eyes, he knows. He has yashar. He knows exactly who to marry. He knows how to date. He knows how to be married. He knows how to deal with everything. You understand? Call derech ish yashar be'inav. Which means, do not be fooled by your own opinion of anything. Because just because you have an opinion doesn't mean it's right. And even though you think it's right, that's what every human feels. Don't get excited by something that you feel is the right way. Everyone feels that way. That's the way Hashem made every human. So what's the solution, says the Midrash? Shomeya le'aitzah hacham. The only way you could live life really good really straight, you have to be willing to listen to advice. You don't have to be a puppet. You don't have to be a robot. But you have to listen to advice from people to understand better the road that you're about to enter. Go into marriage, go ask people. You have a child, go ask people. Go Who to ask is a good question. How to ask is also a good question. But you need to ask. 
is the guarantee of success in life. Listen to someone's advice. Now pay attention. When we say listen to someone's advice, doesn't mean listen when you agree. That's not called listening. When you agree, when you hear something and you agree to it, that's not called listening. Listening means listen. Even you don't agree, you listen. Because Why? Because you recognize that that person you're talking to knows better than you, cares about you, understands, has experience in this situation, so you defer to them. It's one of the big, one of the big ma'alot, one of the big qualities of a human being, if he's able to defer. Of course, not to every human, you don't defer. But with the right calculations, there are people you can defer to. Says the Midrash, an example of that, that's, that's what that pasuk that I just read to you from last week's parasha, that's what it's highlighting. Yaakov Avinu, although he disagreed, he didn't see it that way. He thought he should stay. It would be better for him to be around his great parents. But he listened to his father and mother because he recognized that his father and mother, they're very great people. They have a lot of experience. They're very holy people. They care for him. And therefore he deferred to his father and mother. Says the Midrash, this is the pasuk that highlights the greatness of Yaakov Avinu. Why was Yaakov Avinu Yaakov Avinu? Because of this midah. It says, remember we spoke the other day about that boy that has no hope? That's never going to happen. But if a person really has no hope, he might as well be put away. So, what does, this say? What, what, what does the pasuk say describing that kind of boy, the ben sorero more? What makes a ben sorero more hopeless? That there's no chance for him to get anywhere in life and it's better for him to get killed now than to live out and become a rasha. What signs does this ben sorero moresh have in his youth that make him so, right, so hopeless? So the pasuk says, if a man has a son, meaning he's a rebellious son. Listen to these words. He doesn't listen to his father or to his mother. And they gave him musar. Lo Yishma means he's not listening. Young age, he's a young boy. He's a young boy, but he already showed that he doesn't have this characteristic of listening. Meaning if you don't listen in life, there's no chance that you will get to your proper destination. That's what I mean. And the Midrash gives an example of some great person in history that didn't become as great or didn't reach the level he should have reached because he made a mistake in this area, and that was Shimshon. Shimshon was a great judge in Am Israel, one of the great people in our history. Shimshon was one of the great righteous people in our history, who also had a great position of power. He was the judge of Am Israel in those days. They only had judges. They didn't have kings. They didn't have. They had what's called shoftim. And Shimshon was this powerful man. 
And he one day, the Pasuk says, came to his father and mother. And he told them he wants to marry a certain girl. His father and mother told him, not for you. This girl is not for you. So his answer to his parents was, I want her. Ki yashra Which means, he says, no, I want her. And he ended up marrying her and a lot of damage happened because of that marriage. So the Midrash is pointing out the point of great people. That they're willing and want to hear the advice and even follow, even if they don't agree. Good. So anyway, I went back there to show you that the Torah already discussed Yaakov Avinu going to Padan Aram. So when the Torah here in this week's parasha says, Yaakov mi be'er shava, And Yaakov left Be'er Sheva. And he went to Haran. We already know that. But why is it saying it again? So because of that, Rashi Alava Shalom, the Midrash says that there's a message here. We know he left. But there's something else. Pasuk says, uh, sorry, Rashi says, very famous words. Vayetse Yaakov says Rashi. Lo Yaakov Harana. We only need, if anything, if anything, just say he went to Haran. We don't say he left. We know he left. If he went, obviously he left. Why? Does the Pasuk mention him leaving? So says Rashi Ella, Magid, it's coming to teach us something. That we should sit here today and learn something about this. When a great person leaves a place, there is an impression. He leaves an impression. Sounds like when he's there, he doesn't. When he leaves, he makes an impression. When the righteous person, when the great person is in the city, different beauty that has in the city. Some explain it means the way he conducts his mitzvot. His wisdom, his his midot, his derech eretz, all those are shining to the city. When he leaves, they see something missing. They see a void. When he leaves, panahoda, panaziva, panahadara, which means Torah is telling us. To appreciate people in our city who are righteous. That we should take advantage when we're around special people. They are in every place. Hashem put in every generation people that a person can connect to. You have to take advantage before they leave. But yet the unfortunate part of life is Vayetzei Yaakov. When did they realize the greatness of Yaakov? When Yaakov left already. And that Torah is warning us not to be like that. 
when you appreciate something, you take advantage of it. You enjoy it. You benefit from it. But you don't appreciate, so it's there, but it's, 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 it's a waste. Torah is here pointing out, Look at those people. Look at the mistake that they made. They had something very beautiful in their midst, and they didn't take advantage. Why? Why? Because they didn't realize. They just didn't realize. You know, when you have something, just don't realize it. You take it for granted. That's how it is. You know, it says by, um, it says by, um, by the Luhot, when Moshe Rabbeinu got the first tablets, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes down with the tablets and he's ready to break them, the Torah says, Vayifen vayered Moshe min hahar. Moshe turned and came down from the mountain. He has the two tablets in his hand. And then it starts talking about these tablets. They weren't regular tablets. Somehow, miraculously, they were written on both sides. I'm not going to go through all the different specialty about this luhot, but it, Torah describes it. The tablets were made by God Himself. And the writing also was the writing of God. Harut ala luhot, it was engraved in the luhot. Two pesukim describing the beauty of the luhot. And then what did Moshe do? He breaks them. When we first learn about the luhot, doesn't say much about them. It's a very, uh, it's a very simple introduction about the luhot and doesn't tell us all these beautiful attributes of the tablets. Interesting, when Moshe was given the luhot, Torah did not describe the beauty of the luhot. He gave him luhot. But when he's ready to break the luhot, all of a sudden we have two pesukim describing the beauty of the luhot. What's, what's the explanation? Ah... Uh, when you're, when you're ready to, dis- when, when something is about to leave you, you appreciate it much more. But it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. We have to learn from that. So Vayetzei Yaakov is telling us to appreciate great people amongst us and look for them. Now, by the way, there's a big question over here. How come this message was given over by Yaakov and not by Abraham? How come this message was not given by Yitzhak? He also left his place. How come over there the Torah didn't say, by Yitzhak Abraham, Abraham left, and people finally realized who this man was? How come only by Yaakov is this message being taught to us? Abraham left, Yitzhak left. Torah doesn't highlight this point. Why only by Yaakov? You hear the question? You understand the question? You understand the question? We find in the Torah, Abraham leaving. Doesn't say, by Yitzhak Abraham. Yitzhak doesn't say, and he left. To teach us this important principle. How come only by Yaakov it says it? So, it could be, the answer is, 
that Yaakov is a bigger Hidush. Why? Because when Abraham left, there was nobody else. It was only Abraham. But when Yaakov left, there was still Yitzhak. Yitzhak was still in town. So you might think, okay, one, one tzaddik is enough. But they're telling you every additional one, every additional great person is in itself a great opportunity. So Yaakov left, Yitzhak was still there. And still, it's a different city. That means every additional great person makes the city much more beautiful. Not one and half. Every, every one more makes a difference. Anyway, let's continue. The Pasuk says that on his travels in Pasuk Bed it says, He took from the stones of that place. He wanted to go to sleep. And he put them around his head. Rashi says, look what Rashi says. He took stones. Asa'an Rashi. Asa'an, these are famous stones. They put around his head. What, what did he put around his head for? He made them kemin marzev. Saviv lerosho. People, most people don't notice. He took stones and he put them around his head. Why? He was afraid. He was afraid of wild animals. He was somewhere where he's traveling. Middle of the night, scary when you're sleeping. He went to sleep. So what did he do? He has to protect himself. So he took rocks and he put them around his head so he could protect himself from the wild animals. Beautiful. Only problem with this is how could small rocks protect from wild animals? What, what exactly are rocks around his head going to do if a bear comes? If a lion comes, what's the rock around his head going to do? What, how is that a protection for Yaakov Avinu? You follow what's going on? Rashi's saying that he put these rocks around his head, not to sleep on them. He put on his, around his head so to protect him from the wild animals. But the question is that these rocks will not do the job. And this, this question brings us to a very important part of life. And this is a great example. We discuss it all the time, but this is a prime example that Hashem runs the world. Remember that. If a wild animal is supposed to kill you, it's going to kill you. You could do whatever you want. You can do, you can make bunkers like Hamas does. The wild animal will get to you. If Hashem wants you dead, you're going to be dead. It doesn't matter how protected you are. Remember that. And if Hashem doesn't want you, then you won't be. But your job, your job, even though you know that, is to make your effort. Because your effort is an important, critical part of whatever you're supposed to get. So if an animal is not supposed to kill you, right, and you don't make effort, you just go into the jungle, the animal will kill you. Because that's a penalty on your lack of effort. You must make effort. That's a rule. It's not that the effort actually 
brings the result, no, but you must make it. How much effort? That's one of the big questions, right? Should I work 20 hours a day? Should I travel all my life? Right? You could do that. Guy travels all his life, probably can make more money. Should I work five days, six days, right? How, seven days, well, what should I do? How much effort should a person make in order to get what Hashem has in store for him? It's a very important question. It's one of the big, it's one of the most important questions for great people. For people not so great who have a lot of time on their hand, they don't ask those kind of questions. But people who value time and what you could do with it, one of their biggest questions is, how much effort do I have to put in my business? How much effort do I have to put in this area of my life? Because time is precious. I don't have time to waste. I have, I have so much to accomplish. So anything that I have to put effort on is going to take away from my ability to do more. So therefore, I want to do the minimal amount to be able to get the results that I need. So how much effort, so for example, Hashem has for me in store that I'm going to be protected from the wild animals. Beautiful. How much effort do I have to make to be protected? Again, it's already written, wild animals are not going to hurt you. Hashem says, I don't want wild animals to hurt you. But you got to make effort. How much effort do you need? How much should you build? Should you build a fortress? Should you make it out of steel? Should you make it out of, out of, out of stone? Should you make it out of wood? Should you put a sign and say, wild animals, stay back? What, what effort do you need? Effort has many levels. How, how much effort? That's a great question. How much, how many hours of work? How much do I travel? How much do I spend in this? How much, these are big questions. How much exercise? How much, right? There are a lot of things in life that we need to make effort. So what is the amount of effort? That's a very big question. Follow? So I'm not going to be able to answer you all of that in one minute. But, but clearly, when there's only a small effort to make, and that's all you could do, that becomes your effort. Follow? Yaakov Avinu needs protection, right? So he's, he can't build anything. He's not in that kind of area. The most he could do is take a few stones and put it around his head. He put it around his body too. But okay, whatever. But bottom line is, that's the most he could do. There's nothing more. Now, logically, that effort really doesn't do much. But that's the most you could do. Because remember, effort is not about doing much. Effort is about you putting your own time into it. So he did the best he can. The most he can was that. And that was enough to be considered Ishtadlut to protect him. You follow? There's a famous story in World War I or two. I think World War II. Where there was, or maybe, what was it? I think World War II. They were bombing a certain town. Forgot which rabbi. 
There's a great rabbi in Europe. And they were bombing. So he left his first floor. And then he went to the basement. He went to some uh, underground area to protect himself. Then the bombs got really heavy. It wasn't like little... They were like little bombs before. They started bringing down some heavy, heavy bombs. When, that, when those started, they started shaking the city. It wasn't just a bomb over places. When, he got, when those bombs started coming, they saw he went to the first floor, took out his gemara, started learning. They told him, Rabbi, is, is, you okay? He said, I understand. Before they had the small bombs, you took your gemara to the basement and you're learning. Now they have these huge bombs shaking the city and now you go to the first floor and you're sitting, what, what are you doing? So let me explain to you. He says when they were having small bombs, so the basement would be enough to protect me. So he loot, got to make my effort. First floor, basement. I go to the basement. He says, but now if the bomb hits, it's getting the basement too. So what's the point of going to the basement? Go to the first floor. There's no, here, there's no hishtadlut. There's no longer hishtadlut than going to the basement. What, why did I go to the, We thought he went to the basement because he was scared. Great people don't get scared. They're scared of not making hishtadlut. So he looked and says, what do I got to do? Hashem runs the world. If the bomb is going to hit, it's going to hit. It's not going to help me. But I got to make hishtadlut. So what's the right hishtadlut? Go to the basement. That's called minimal hishtadlut. But if that, if that no longer really does anything, so then there's no point to go down to the basement. Stay in the first law. The way we approach life is Hashem runs it and we're making our hishtadlut in the amount that we need to make. How much hishtadlut? That's a very big question. But clearly, if all you need to do is, all you could do is something, then do it. Even though according to logic may not be enough. But that's your Ishtadlut. Now, you should know that there is a relationship between how you use your time and how much Ishtadlut you need to make in life. There is a very close relationship between how you utilize your time and how much Ishtadlut Hashem is going to ask you or require you to make. So for example, for example, for example. If a person does nothing with his time, even if he has free time, he wouldn't know what to do with it. It would be just be waste, wasting time. So Hashem will keep this guy busy. Oh, Hashem has many ways of keeping people busy. Many, many ways. Not only business, not only health. He can get busy with his daughter. He can get busy with his granddaughter. He can get busy with his neighbor. He can get busy with his wife. He can get busy with his mother. He can get busy with his aunt. He can get busy with his bank. Hashem will keep him busy with the IRS, with the accountants. Hashem has endless amount of avenues to keep a guy occupied. Just keep him busy. Why? It's good to keep busy. Otherwise, he gets in trouble. So he keeps him busy with a million things. All of them mean nothing at the end of the day. They're all worthless things. But they keep him busy better than doing nothing. 
what happens, what happens, and that becomes the amount of hishtadlut he needs to make in order to live his normal life. He's got to be busy with all these things. Now, what happens if a person starts utilizing his time? So now, you know what they do? In Shamayim, they have a system that when you start utilizing your time, then they'll chop off some unnecessary hishtadlut. In other words, now you don't have to take care of a granddaughter problem. You won't have that problem. Because now that problem is going to occupy you from doing something that's actually more meaningful. You have to remember that the creator of the world is our biggest fan. Which means he, the, he, wants, he wants to give us the most opportunity to become the greatest pe- people. But if we're not going to utilize the time, he'll just keep us busy with nonsense. Hopefully nonsense. Sometimes it's more than nonsense. But a lot of nonsense. You get busy with this. Calls you didn't you'd expect. Things that customers all of a sudden have this whole issue with you. Three months you deal with it and nothing happens in the end. But you dealt with it for three months. Three months you had to go back and forth. You had to fly. They had to fly to you. They had meetings. And finally, you took care of it. But guess what? It was three months of headaches and a waste of time. That, that could be avoided if a person uses his time more efficiently there's less need to keep the guy occupied. Hashem could open up the doors for him, the same doors, without having him being so busy. Because now he'll free him up to be able to do more beautiful things. That's the choice we have to make. So I'm, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now. There's a Mishnah in Perkei Avot. When you read the Mishnah, it seems very, uh, very off. Let's put it that way. The Mishnah says like this. Listen to these words. Listen to these words. Mishnah says, "Call hamekayim et hatorah meoni." If someone is poor, oni is poor, poverty. Someone who keeps the Torah, lives with Torah and mitzvot, learns, does all the right things, even though he's poor. Call anyone who's mekayim who fulfills the Torah from poverty, so far, says the Mishnah Perkei Avot, in the end, lekayema, he's going to fulfill the Torah, me'osher, he's going to be a wealthy man. Ve'kol ha'mevatel et ha'torah, me'osher, and someone who has wealth, but doesn't live with Torah and all of the purpose that he's here for, so far, in the end, he's not going to fulfill the Torah, but he's going to be poor. That's what the Mishnah says. Now anyone read that Mishnah, if you lived on Mars, you'd say, wow, what a beauty. So anyone who lives with Torah and mitzvot becomes wealthy. And anyone who doesn't becomes poor. If you lived on Mars, you'd say, wow, what a world that is. But then you land on the planet and you realize that it's not true. You realize not true. Plenty of people who don't do anything in their life and they have a lot of money. And there are plenty of people who do a lot in their life and they're not so wealthy. So who is the, what is the Mishnah talking about? What kind of Mishnah is this? Let me tell you what the Mishnah means. The Mishnah means as follows. We have a very uh, limited 
understanding of things, but there's a depth to everything. What is the depth of Oni? What is the depth of poverty? What depth I mean, we all say poverty is terrible. What is so bad about poverty? What is really the worst, the worst effect that poverty has on a person? What would you say? Poverty takes, it steals your time. Because you don't have the cushion to be able to take time off. You have to work three jobs. You got to be up five in the morning. You got to work at night. You got to be traveling all the time. You got to be doing all kinds of shows. You're, you're hiring yourself out for a Sunday in the flea market. You're, you're doing all kinds of things. You just don't have time. And by the time you get home, you're, 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 you're wiped. You're exhausted. You can't hire someone to drive your kids to school. You have to drive them. So now not only you have to work, you have to drive them too. And you have to pick them up. And you have to do it. And you have to cook. And you can't buy food from somebody that's already made. So you have to cook it yourself. Poverty steals your time. It doesn't give you any time. That is the curse of poverty. What is the blessing of wealth? The blessing of wealth is the opposite. Is that wealth gives you more time. You don't have to be in the office at 5 a.m. You can go in a little later. You have a little cushion in the bank. You're good. You don't have to travel every day of your life. Not every business venture is something that you should take. I'll never forget this. I was by a very special person in this community. Very, very special. Really, a very wealthy man, but a very special man. Wealth didn't get to his head. I I rem I was there. By yeah yeah I was there. In a, I'm close to the person, so I was there by a certain meeting that he had, and he was coming out of the meeting. So I told him what was that all about. It was another Syrian fellow that was meeting with him. So he told me the guy gave him an unbelievable offer to give his business, that guy's business, which was a very good business, to go. And put it as part of his, uh, you know, uh, company. Um, and it would be tremendous returns with very little investment. It was great. I said, wow, it's, what's Minas Shemaim? Beautiful. Can't believe it. What a, what, a, what, a, what a gift. He says, I didn't take it. I said, are you crazy? I said, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the downside? What, is there a risk? He says, zero risk. I don't even have to put money in. He's going to give me his company with already its sales, and I'm just, we're just going to make it from 10 million to 100 million. With, you love money. Every time I say money, you go, he goes, huh? He, he can't. He can't control himself. So he said, I made a hashbon. He says, he says, sometimes you acquire something and you don't have to put much effort into it, it just goes. He says, this company is going to need my time at least one or two hours a day. He said, which would mean that I would have to be in the office instead of I come in right now at 10 o'clock, I have, I learn from 7 to 9, I have my things, I do, I get in the office, I'm good. With this, I have to be in later. He said, I made the calculation, it wasn't worth it for me to give up an hour in the morning of my morning to go and take over this company and become a super, I says, it wasn't worth it. I, I saw this with my own eyes. I, 
You probably can't believe it. But that's, that's the emet. They are people who value the wealth of their time, not the wealth of their money. Because real wealth is supposed to translate into free time, which allows you to do more with your life. At the end of the day, life is very short. You know, before you know it, it's time to go. And when you leave this world, you have to take with you things that you actually accomplished. So wealth is a great blessing. Wealth is such a bracha because it gives you the ability to take precious time and turn it into something beautiful. So only poverty, the, the curse of poverty is no time. You have no time. You're busy all day long. The, the blessing of wealth is that you have more time. Oh, so now let's learn the Mishnah. Someone who fulfills the Torah, Me'oni. Me'oni means he's a poor man. What does that mean, he's a poor man? He has no time. Now you could be a billionaire and have no time. Oni doesn't mean you have money or money. Oni means you have no time. Like a guy I met a few years ago. He told me he has no time. He can't learn. I said, why can't you learn? Come in the morning. I'll come early. This is years ago. He said, I can't. I can't. I have no time. I'm in the office. He tells me. I'm in the office at 5 in the morning. He leaves his house 4.30 to be in the office at 5. And he travels two or three days a week. I told him. I said, listen. I said, you forgive me. I says, you know, you know, I, I love you. I care for you. I said, you're a very poor man. He's a very wealthy man. He got, he, got, he got a little offended by that. I says, you're a poor man. I said, a guy like me, I don't have much money. Not like you. But I don't have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to go out to my life. I said, that's, that's poverty. Well, what, what, what kind of life is that? He said, well, that's what my business requires of me. What should I do? I said, I understand you. I said, that I hear. If that's what your life requires of you, there's nothing to do. If you have to be up all night with your mother, with your sister, with your, okay, you're, you're right. I said, I hear you. I understand that the way your life is set up right now, this is the only way you operate. I get it. But I told them you should know that the reason why your life is set up this way is because you don't have anything to do with your time. So it's better they keep you occupied with all things that are not really necessary. He says, what should I do? I said, just do something. I said, you have half hour a week. Stinking half hour, we, we made a time, a half hour a week on Friday at 5.30. That was his, the only time he could give me. 5.30 on Friday's half hour a week. He said, what, he said, what am I going to gain with a half hour a week? I said, it's not about that. I told him, when you show that you will use your half hour and you utilize your free time for something good, you know what's going to happen? They're going to give you more time. Instead of having a half hour, you'll have an hour. You'll have two hours. Because once you use your time, they're your biggest advocate. They want you to use your time. They don't want you to waste your time all day running from place to place. And that's, this, this story, I have a hundred versions of the story. But it's the truth. A person who starts using, so call a mekayim, listen to this Mishnah, look how beautiful this Mishnah is. Someone who fulfills the Torah, meaning do good things in your life, learn, give, do, right? Me'oni, you have no time, zero time. 
You're on it. But you have five minutes. You have five minutes. Fill up the five minutes. You have an hour. Fill up an hour. You have that. Do it. Oh, if you fulfill the Torah me'oni, if you take the little time that you have available and you make it rich, so far, in the end, lekayema me'oshe. You're going to see time open up for you. Less headaches, less problems, and less requirement of putting in labor that's unnecessary. They'll open up your time. You'll end up making more by doing less because you'll have free time to do more of things that you need to do. But if you're the other way around, Hashem gave you plenty of time. You're ashir. You have so much time on your hand and you don't use it you know what's going to happen? So far, they're going to make your time occupied because free time is very dangerous. So they'll, they'll, fig they'll figure out things, some good things, not so good things to keep your mind busy. So therefore, one of the great, great challenges of life is to use time in the best way possible. It opens up not only more time, but it saves us from a lot of headache. That's why in this week's parasha, and with this I'm going to end, in this week's parasha, in this week's parasha, we see Yaakov Avinu right in the beginning. He makes a certain vow. You know, he's on, his, on the road. He's going to a new place. You know, it's scary. He makes a vow. He tells Hashem, If you do this for me, If Hashem will be with me, Ushmarani and he watches over me on the road that I'm going. If he gives me food to eat and clothing to wear, then he says, I'm going to do whatever. That's the deal he makes. The rabbis ask, what kind of statement is that? If he gives me food to eat or clothing to wear, what else do you do with food? Of course, food to eat. He has to say food to eat. What are you, he's going to wear food and eat the clothing? What, 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 what did he mean by that? If you give me lechem, bread, lechol, if you give me bread to eat and beged and clothing to wear, it's obvious that's what you do with clothing and with bread. Why does he have to specify what he's doing with them? They explain beautifully such beautiful words. That unfortunately in life, most of us don't have this outlook. We don't look at bread to eat and clothing to wear. We allow wealth to become its own value. Wealth has a value. Nobody here says that wealth isn't valuable. The opposite. Like we said, it helps you in life. Besides helping you give tzedakah and help people, it helps you have more time to do things. It's a blessing to have wealth. But the blessing of wealth is to take care of your needs. Wealth in itself, it's hard for here to the American ear. It's just impossible. I see guys already tuning out. That's okay. They still have to hear it. Wealth has no value for itself. Status of wealth doesn't really make you valuable. Wealth, the value is, it gives you the ability it gives you the ability to eat, to wear, to be comfortable in your life. 
That is a value in life. But unfortunately, a curse in life is when wealth becomes its own value. That you just want to be wealthy. You're just chasing money. But it's not really money that you need to live a greater life. That kind of money, Yaakov Avinu says, I don't want it. I don't want the money that's not going to help me live my life better. I want money that makes my life more productive and more fruitful. I need lehem lechol, beged lilbosh. You see, when, when today a person buys clothing, what do they look for? When you buy clothes, what do you look for? How comfortable? To keep you warm? You want to see if the hat it sees you. You understand? When we, when we buy clothing today, we don't think about comfort, clothing. For, unfortunately, we think about the look. You know, the label, the this, the that. Clothing became not lilbosh, but clothing became status. And not only clothing, a car. A car is meant to drive from one place to another. It could be comfortable. It could, be, it could drive smoothly. But that's it. More than that, you're, you're, you're taking wealth for something that's totally not what it was created for. You're taking money for its own sake. When we take money for its own sake, money becomes a curse. Yaakov wants a blessing, not a curse. He says, if you make me wealthy, but what kind of wealth? The wealth that makes me get my needs easier, that's the wealth that I'm looking for. But if the wealth becomes something that I chase for its own sake, so I could walk around feeling wealthy and looking wealthy, and having a certain status because of my wealth, that's not a beracha, that is a kalala. These are the words of Shlomo HaMelech, and I'll end with this pasuk. Shlomo HaMelech says, look at this pasuk, what a beautiful pasuk. I can never say it without reading the words. The pasuk says, says Shlomo HaMelech, Shtaim sha'alti me'itach. Hashem he says, I ask you, Hashem, please help me for two things. Means don't, don't prevent these things from coming to me before I die. He says, Rash va'osher altitenli. If you hear someone, what a prayer this is. He says, Hashem, please do not Make me poor. Rash is poor. The osher. Don't make me wealthy. Rash va osher altitenli. Don't give me poverty. Don't give me wealth. Hatrifeni lehem hoki. Doesn't mean he wants to be poor. Then give me the amount of money that I need. The amount that I'm going to use in my life. Don't give me extras. Give me what I need. Now, what I need could be to give charity, to build, to do, to help, to build, find a house for myself, my kids. Fine. Give me what I need. That could be a lot of money, what I need, if you use it the right way. But give me what I need. Don't give me extra. Why? What's wrong with extra? What's wrong? Take so. Huh? Pen esba. I'm worried. If you give me extra, vekihashti. I'm going to become arrogant. And I'm going to deny even my close friends and even God himself. Ve amarti mi Hashem. 
Who are you? Arrogance comes from when you have wealth. When you have wealth, you can become this arrogant person thinking that you're the melech, you're the king. Says Shlomo Mel, please, I don't want that. I don't want that test. Pen Ivar, I don't want to be poor either. Then I'll end up doing the wrong things. I'll end up stealing. I'll, I don't want that either. I want money. I want money. But I want the type of money that's lechol velilbosh. I want money that I'm going to use. You know who the wealthiest man in the world is? Can I tell you who he is? You ever hear the Mishnah in Perkei Avot? It says in Perkei Avot, it says, Ezehu Ashir Hasameyah Behelko. Who's a wealthy man? Someone who is happy, Sameyah, with his, what is lot? Who believes that a wealthy man is the one who's happy what he has? Only a poor guy. <laughs> what else do you have? There's nothing else. But let me tell you what I heard once and I still didn't find it in the books. I looked, look, I couldn't find it. I heard once a beautiful explanation. I think it was in the name of Rashi. I never saw it. I can't find it. He says, now what does it mean, Sameah Behelko? Such beautiful words. He says a wealthy man is the one who uses everything, Sameah. Everything Hashem gave him, he uses and enjoys it. So for example, he's building a house. Build uh, 50 rooms in the house. But guess what? You only need one. You don't need two. You need three. Right? You build 50. So 47 is wealth that you're never going to enjoy. And actually wealth you don't enjoy, you become its slave. Any wealth that you don't enjoy, you become the servant of the wealth. You build what you need. You enjoy sameyah behelko. Who is the richest man in the world? When he leaves this world, his account is 0.00. That's a wealthy man. That means he took all of what God gave him, sameyah, and he used it. You know some houses, you walk into them, they're like uh, museums. You ever saw those houses? Tell you, that room, you can't go into it. Don't touch that. You walk around like, uh, what? that's called, you're not sameyah behanko. You're not enjoying the wealth. Enjoying means use it. Enjoy every part of your home. But don't do things extra to become its slave. And take all of what Hashem gave you in life and spend it. Spend it on people that you love. Give it to those who need it. Help those if you have extra. You ever see guys, they pass away? They tell you, this guy, he passed away. He had $18 billion. What a Hazid case. He lost $18 billion overnight. Can you imagine? Overnight, he lost $18 billion. Overnight. Before you lose it, spend it. Enjoy it. Anything Hashem gives you doesn't mean to be irresponsible. Enjoy it. Enjoy what Hashem gives you for yourself, for your family, and for others who need it. And check out of the world with nothing in your bank account. This way you enjoyed every dollar God gave you instead of being its servant. 
instead of your whole life trying to figure out how I'm not going to lose it, where I got to put it, I got, oh, I got to change it from here, from this currency to that currency to this. Don't be the servant of money. Be, let money serve you. Right? It says, Beged lilvosh. Use it. Enjoy it. Guys, have a great day. That's the Harabah.